we came to Australia, it is a perfect place to live for groups like us. We have every single chance to actually revive our identity again. It is a huge responsibility. Hi everyone, it's such a pleasure to bring you down back to Melbourne, Australia with me, your host for episode 83, Cynthia. So it might have been a little while since you heard from Australia, but that's only because we are just coming out of hibernation over winter. Spring is now here, meaning rebirth and regeneration. And that's the story of this episode's guest, Kinder Haroon. So I came across Kinder when she won my city's award for resident of the month, which is no small feat. While we hadn't crossed paths, Kinder's name kept appearing again and again in relation to a number of Assyrian-related activities and initiatives. Mind you, we're now a proud population of more than 13,000 Assyrians here in Melbourne, so I thought it was no coincidence that Kinder's name kept popping up again and again. I knew I just had to find out what this young Assyrian was achieving and what motivated her. I quickly found out that Kinder is a volunteer superstar, and without a doubt, an up-and-coming leader of the Assyrian community. In between all of Kinder's volunteer commitments, work and study, I finally had a chance to sit down and talk with her. So our conversation got pretty emotional, and to be honest, it's the first time I've had to really try and hold back the tears. A lot of that has to do with part of Kinder's story around coming to Australia only three years ago as a result of the Syrian war. Before Kinder completely left Syria, she cut her university studies short and returned to her war-torn city to volunteer with the Oshawa Foundation. Through the foundation, she worked and supported women and children who had fled ISIS. But this is only just a part of her story. Since coming to Australia, Kinder has continued to kick goals, delivering exciting new initiatives as part of her role on the board of one of Melbourne's Assyrian associations, representing the Assyrian community to government on numerous occasions, and Having the chance to meet Prince Harry while he's on tour in Australia? That's right. Kinder's story demonstrates sheer determination and strength, and she serves as an inspiring voice for our younger Assyrians. While this episode was recorded before the attacks in northern Syria took place, it is sadly a dark reminder of what Assyrians living in that part of the world have faced and continue to face. Our thoughts are with all of those affected. Support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Kalagarakos and the injury lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Kalagarakos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847-982-9516. And now, here's Kinder Haroon. Kinder, thanks for joining me on the Assyrian podcast. So nice to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Cynthia. It's a pleasure to be with you and um, part of the Assyrian podcast program. The program itself, it's really amazing. It's um, I thank you and all the team for creating the program. It is uh, helping us as Assyrians to bridge some of the distance and the gap we had. Um, now so many of our community members living in different countries, so it's great to hear their inspirational and successful stories. Um, so thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm sure we're going to hear a bit more of an inspirational <laughs> yeah. story today, which is 
So Kinder, I want to start off, when did you end up coming to Australia? And maybe perhaps talk a bit about where you grew up and your upbringing. So I came to Australia, actually, I've been now quite a while here, so three years and six months. Um, (laughs) Yeah, to me, it feels like it's been a long time. And uh, so in 2016, I arrived with my parents and two sisters. Um, So we were lucky enough, actually, to be among a few Assyrian families who um, didn't have to stay longer for in Syria, fleeing the Syrian war and uh, uh, coming safely, arriving safely to Australia. So um, we were really lucky to to be able to in that in a period of like three months to get the humanitarian visa and so were you a part of that intake that the Australian government yes. did of the fifteen thousand yeah, yeah. twelve thousand twelve thousand in two thousand sixteen yeah. yeah. so yeah we were um, like the few families or like Assyrian families who didn't have to wait longer like three months we get accepted and came and after that I think few months. Uh, over 50% of people from my uh, city and the Syrian community in Hasaki, the northeastern part of Syria, were um, joining the program. And because most of them they were in Lebanon uh, for a few years, just uh, were directly impacted by the war. So they fled to Lebanon. And uh, Did your yeah. family flee to Lebanon as well? They came straight from Syria? Yeah, all of us like were um, stayed in Lebanon for okay. three months, and yeah, then came to Australia. <laughs> so I want to take a step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about your upbringing there as a child? Um, Where did you live? So I was born name? in um, a village, one of the thirty-five plus Assyrian villages in Khabur, um, which is in uh, Hasaki city, the northeastern part of Syria. Um, it is uh, one of like really great memories I have there. Um, I was born to an Assyrian family and uh, there is so much like many special things about the village itself and I now of course like the village was impacted greatly about the war like of the war in Syria but it's it didn't that make me feel like how special it was because sometimes so many people would tell you okay we didn't feel how special something was to us till we lost it Mm. actually to me from the start since I was young the village gave us um, so much of like uh, and shaped who we are today it was very special for me to burn uh, to to be born there Uh, we had like I had pretty uh, adventurous and uh, (laughs) fun childhood Uh, very busy as well so I had like uh, school um, like all year and then in summer we we didn't even stop we had something called the um, uh, St. Hermes Assyrian School sorry St. Pithyur Assyrian School so that was uh, that go for three months where the Assyrian church there with um, the Assyrian Democratic Party uh, organized something called the Assyrian Graduation Ceremony and also the Assyrian Language School Week when uh, I learned how to read and write in Assyrian and also perform, perform some of the uh, my culture uh, dance and also created what's called the Assyrian um, Young People's Theatre where we present some uh, monodramas or dramas about the village's life and uh, the Assyrian community in Khabur and uh, 
and it was attended by hundreds of people from different villages, also from wow. people uh, coming from Hasake city. We, a uh, few couple of uh, times we were also, uh, it was recorded and um, uh, like uh, aired on TV. We watched the Syri- Syrian national TV that was, and uh, I got to interview them too, to tell them like, how was the experience? Fantastic. So <laughs> it was amazing. And so that shaped, was every yeah. summer? That was every single summer, so till I was like, uh, um, I think uh, 12, 13, I contributed uh, to so many of the uh, acts and the ceremony itself. uh, And we were always looking forward when we get young so we can participate in organizing this for um, the younger generation. So it was always a dream to be part in uh, like... uh, uh, in a role of our teachers uh, so one day we can grow and give back to the village and to our people and the, the school itself uh, yeah. yeah so it was really great to be able uh, to be part of that and shaped a lot of uh, who I am today and uh, my love to actually serve the community and uh, so I would never forget the all the opportunity I, I got also. Um, sometimes we had people visiting the village. We could uh, show him, show them the around and uh, the beautiful um, like um, gardens and um, like it was such a <laughs> heaven to us. Also, it was really well known for the original um, Truma wine or the Assyrian wine. So <laughs> yeah. Fantastic! Wow, I can just like picture it from how you're describing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, tell me a bit more generally about the Assyrian community there? As I said, they uh, there are there were over thirty five villages uh, um, on the river of uh, Khabur, uh, and we call them also campi camps. Uh, there were uh, four people who fled the uh, massacres in Iraq in 1933, mm-hmm. and they were set there by the uh, French mandate. Uh, so. Uh, to so many of like my grandmother would tell me all the stories how they came there and so many of the older generation who fled the uh, the massacres and genocides in Iraq but um, more like of uh, the younger generations who were raised and, and born in in Khabur they were also hope always hope that they can uh, turn it from a, a desert into a, a heaven called the uh, Assyrian land and uh, it was like um, we had so many of uh, successful individuals who were always trying. It was really hard in, in that area, in uh, Gazarta or like uh, Hasaki region. Uh, we didn't have any universities, anything, but the families have the courage to send their children, for example, to Aleppo University or to mm-hmm. Damascus University. We had uh, quite a large number of uh, uh, people who were uh, educated people who go to universities, like from these smaller villages to be able to have, I think, over uh, 300 uh, graduates just in uh, from Alipu University. Mm. That was great. Also, when we first uh, celebrated the uh, Khapnisan uh, or the Assyrian New Year, Rishashita Aturaheta, it's great when all like people from different villages, they don't celebrate in their own village. We all go to the Tunaicha to Abdul Aziz mountain uh, where I was going to ask how do you pick out of 35 villages but there you go yeah. there is a sort yeah. of central location yes yeah all the time we go there like everyone knows on the 1st of April we are going to Abdul Aziz mountain so that was organized by uh, the uh, mostly the Assyrian Democratic Party but also there were other organizations like the Assyrian Democratic Movement uh, they sometimes organized in uh, partnership like together 
together um, for uh, all the Assyrian people. They come, they were like Khushaba group who would perform some of the Assyrian dances uh, and Assyrian music and culture. So it was really a great representation of, uh, you know, their identity, their culture. And it was good that they had, uh, before the war, of course, uh, all these things were permitted for us as Assyrians to be able to preserve your culture um, was really something special. So yeah, I think we had even, it was not just for Assyrians, you can find other uh, groups like uh, Arabs and uh, sometimes like other cultural groups who live with us there trying to, uh, you know, contribute and attend. It was something special to have. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of, so just before leaving in 2016, how had things changed by then? Yeah, so uh, for me actually, I, uh, we moved to Hasaki City because we, were, we wanted to major in a scientific section. So that was a story for many families because in, this, um, in my village and uh, many Assyrian villages, we didn't have uh, schools that uh, has like the scientific section or the subjects. But we always kind of uh, find excuses every summer to go back there to, to the villages. And I started my university study uh, there, uh, same as so many uh, Syrian families. However, when the war started, my university was attacked a couple times. Um, we were asked to, for example, when we take public transport to go to university, you can't sit next to your male friend. It has to be section four women or like girls and one for uh, guys or like uh, for boys yeah so it was segregated it was really we tried to withstand it for like uh, my first year second year of university but then it get really hard like once we were in the exam they're trying to head you know university with booms and stuff though it was really hard to stay there also uh, in the 23rd of uh, february 2015 the assyrian villages were um, attacked by isis and before that we had like it was Hasaki region was under the uh, Kurdish militias, which was uh, really hard. It's different when it's like it was under the regime's uh, control. There you had more safety. Regions were more protected, but now uh, there were different parties trying to, you know, control some areas and. Uh, the Syrian nation fall uh, victims of that because we were not like uh, armed forces. We didn't have any armed forces, anything to protect ourselves. And uh, with these groups, no one would care about your safety as a minority group and uh, as like uh, indigenous people of that area. So there is not all this uh, cultural respect to who you are. They'd say that maybe on media on other places, but no one would really did care about uh, the safety of our Assyrian people. They were united in destroying our culture and our religious um, organizations and cultural organizations, but uh, they were never like united with us to actually uh, support uh, our safety and uh, our existence in that area. Mm. So it was really uh, such a shame. Yeah, to fall under this control of these militias, either it was like the Islamic State or the Kurdish militias, um, and to so many Assyrian community and people, they uh, definitely can share many peaceful stories before the war, but after the war, it is really sad. Uh, all the stories, yeah. And what's your understanding of what it's like there today? Today we have um, it's 
not all, like all the villages, uh, most of them are empty, but uh, there is still uh, hope there that few families, uh, some of, sometimes just like uh, one person is living in the whole village. So you'd, before that, you'd have like uh, thousands of people there. Now it's just one person. Uh, so I think these people are given uh, giving us uh, so much hope that uh, we are not leaving this country, like the uh, country or the our land, till like if they will kill us, we're not, we're not leaving here. So we are staying, uh, and uh, you will find so many um, youth initiatives there. Uh, you have the elderly Syrian elderly center led by like the uh, Syrian organizations there. You have the Syrian police or Natore. You have a great representation of um, a Syrian Democratic Party in Tel Tamar, organizing um, still like different Syrian national days with the church there. It is, I think, these are Assyrian heroes, every single person who withstood all the things that are happening and just looking and they were born there but seeing the harbor in the current situation and still trying to actually be there, work there and preserve and revive Assyrian uh, identity and culture through various Assyrian programs. It is something we all so proud of and that's what gives us power uh, here in in like in Australia and I believe other places in the world for me like to see my people having all that hope so for me having the freedom here and the democratic society I believe we can do uh, more things um, better and um, we can work to help our people in our homeland and also uh, help the Syrian people who arrived into Australia in various and different ways and so they never lose hope because we are finding so many people now are being uh, not that well engaged with our Assyrian organizations. There is a fear always and that's uh, what is the result of uh, living uh, genocides and my grandmother always shared to us stories of like how the, she was fit for um, my dad, my uncles to be uh, like part of any like political Assyrian political parties. She would get scared like nothing would happen to them, they are safe and like uh, so trying to not encourage them to be part of these initiatives and but uh, my my dad actually didn't listen to her she was looking at you why am I not surprised yeah so it's the same thing I think it's happening with our people here in Australia and so many places like but we don't want them to be scared just because of what happened Mm. to not engage in organizations and try to change the situation to something more like uh, beautiful more inspiring and uh, yeah you spoke about being able to live here and help out back in the homeland how how do you go about doing that one of the reasons why I volunteered with the Assyrian Australian Social Development Club was when I first, when I was in in Syria they helped a lot so many Assyrian uh, families and especially the ones who fled to other cities like Latakia and uh, uh, Tartus and to help the students who were forced to flee you know, their universities uh, in Hasaki city and uh, and were living in different cities to help them 
different programs to, to, to support the organizations like uh, Ashford Foundation for Relief and, and Development. So I saw how much it gave these students because sometimes they even couldn't provide the living expenses and stuff like that. So just that as an organization to think about that was uh, so powerful. And st- we still like connect with some of the families who live there. And uh, of course, it can't be like you can't be helping single-handedly so you have to be in a, a connection with uh, other organizations Assyrian organizations who are already there so we always like contact them on um, what are their programs they are organizing what are what are the needs of the Assyrian community there and yeah I think they are well organized uh, over there and they always advise on what are the like the needs they have and and it's not just like us as an organization there are so many Assyrian organizations who are helping too to try like keep the community there alive and uh, try to uh, not limit their potentials and try to like as much as we can uh, individuals and organizations to help them and support uh, whatever their ideas uh, and their programs. So you touched on the Ashraf Foundation you worked as a community development worker with them. Yes. Can you tell me a bit more about the organisation and what was involved with your role? So I joined the organisation after finishing my college, like after year 12. I joined voluntarily with them, with a group of young Assyrians. However, the organisation was founded after the war in Syria and just mainly to help with... Uh, like the crisis there after the war, helping uh, um, many people in providing their medications, uh, sometimes with food, and uh, people who were like uh, NDPs who fled the uh, after like uh, Khabur, like so many people, like after the war in Syria, but mainly after 23rd of uh, February 2015. We worked on different uh, initiatives uh, with the youth group, for example, creating uh, what was called the first like uh, Assyrian. Uh, journal there just was organized by a Syrian youth it was called Iliama so when we asked many Assyrian youth who would um, write in that um, kind of like magazine or journal and it was in Arabic first then we translated it into Assyrian that was all done by us so it was kind of a way that we support uh, and encourage um, writing and reading and you know speaking the Assyrian language because uh, so many of the uh, it was only the Assyrian church of the east that was uh, supporting the uh, kind of Assyrian school but um, other like in my village, for example, and other Khabur villages, they couldn't do that. So for the people who are living there, so we encouraged that as a way to actually still preserve our um, heritage, our language and, uh, and culture. Yes, as well. and uh, we organized, uh, it was the first Assyrian Martyrs Day in collaboration with the Assyrian uh, Democratic um, Organization and the church. We invited representatives from uh, the, um, like, Hasaki, uh, different organizations, not only Assyrians, uh, to tell them about the ongoing, uh, uh, you know, massacres and uh, genocides of um, the Assyrian nation. And uh, other initiatives, like um, we had to organize meetings and uh, keep the Assyrian youth connected, uh, like from Tiltamar, from Qamishli, we'd invite, uh, invite them to attend our uh, events, cultural events mm-hmm. sometimes. We'd organize uh, days like, uh, as I said, Assyrian Martyrs Day, Assyrian New Year, and also to encourage youth to meet each other. And uh, we also 
supported um, some educational courses like uh, where you build leadership in you. So we invited Assyrian uh, professionals to actually give them some courses and uh, develop their some of their skills. Depends on the, the needs, like what was needed at that time. Mm. And uh, in 2014, I had to leave to Latakia or like Latakia city where, to complete my university studies. However, one year later, uh, the Khabur was attacked by ISIS. So I felt like uh, there is a need that I I need to come back to to my city. That uh, So when we left, it was with my mother, my uncle's family and my mm. sisters. Dad was there, but I had to, I felt... I need to come back and see how is the situation like. I was literally like shocked by what I saw in the Assyrian Church of the East, uh, St. Marie's Church in Haseke, where we had hundreds of Assyrian families there who had all these houses, their houses destroyed, their churches, and mm-hmm. who had uh, over 260 for, from their immediate family members who were kidnapped with uh, the Islamic State. And uh, it was, uh, I didn't fear feel this, but it was heartbreaking for me. Just we need to show, we need to show some power to them, like support them morally and uh, in every possible way. How to... old are you at this stage when you you've decided to, you need to leave? I was, I was, uh, uh, I think in my uh, 1920. My mom didn't really support me to take the decision because uh, my dad was already there and he was also a volunteer with the organization and member of the Assyrian Democratic Party, but uh, she was already so like fear for for him and for his life there. But um, something could happen to me. It would be the same thing to the my Assyrian people there and the Assyrian community. So I am not better than them in any any way. So uh, I had really tough conversation with her that day to just trying to convince her start, that she can let me go and. So we went to the booking, like to, the, to book the uh, air flights. There were not any bookings, like in the next few days. I wanted to go uh, as soon as possible. I booked for like uh, in in two weeks from that time, and uh, but I asked my uncle to drive me to the airport because even if it wasn't that day, I wanted to go anyway. So I really struggled to find a place. So I went into the airport. Uh, asking one of the officers, I really need to go to Haseke. And they let me go. I went like half of the way standing on the flight and the other half just uh, sharing um, three seats and like between four people. It was really... When I arrived there, called my auntie who was living in Kamshli. I was like, I am here. And she was like, you really crazy girl. Who would come at this situation and all that? But I... If I didn't do that, take that, uh, took that action back then, I would be really so like disappointed all my life that I couldn't do anything. Just being, of course, I wasn't like just my volunteer role with the organization and my dad who was there helping and the situation itself there, I feel I'm no way just sitting here doing my own things just because I'm safe and not care about my people. So I, I felt, no, I actually need to be, to be there. Mm. The church needs us. Our Assyrian organizations needs us. Our community needs us there. They are in uh, everyone who could come. And I even told my friends, if anyone can come from any city, we 
it's the time to be there. So it's the time we can help. So I, we were in, to- in contact with um, United Nations representatives who were there with uh, some of the Assyrian GPs who directly were in contact with some of the really uh, extreme situations where people were in really bad torture or like mental health, uh, you know, situations. Yeah. Yeah, so we helped with providing the essentials for for them while they were staying in the in the church, like um, you know, from food, medications, uh, but also the other support for the children and uh, and women who were there. We uh, contacted Mar Apram Mathniel, so we can organize something um, for the children and uh, for the women. And it had to be constantly. We the women are re- and and the families are really bad situation now, and we needed something. Uh, some fun activities and uh, with the help of uh, the GPs there to just bring the smiles to their faces again. I can always like go back, look at some of the photos and uh, of the program and uh, I feel really powerful like how after this the crisis they left and to just be able to smile again and throw that smile on their faces. I was really proud when I went home. My mom just saw what I was able to achieve in that a short time with, uh, of course, like really incredible young people. I would not name any of them now because there were so many of them. So I don't want to forget any of these young uh, persons, but they know who I'm talking about and they know how proud I am of them today. Uh, so many of them achieving really great things now and being so true to the to our identity and to our culture and uh, being there at the toughest times. And so we were all really successful and happy about what we've achieved. And uh, of course, it was a short time that so many of these families stayed in Hasake because even it was really tough situation there. And uh, in, in Ramishli as well, uh, we had like uh, people, uh, they stayed for a couple of weeks then all of them had to flee to to Lebanon and apply for different, you know, the Australian embassies there, to European uh, countries, to the US, Canada. So, yeah, just try to anyway, just to leave. You said some of the biggest, strongest memories you have is these young children. Have you had a chance to be reunited with many of them here in Australia? Oh yeah, definitely. They uh, and that was my aim from the start. So I wanted to meet with them. Some of them, they would talk to me about their friends who are kidnapped with uh, the Islamic State. So um, there was one girl who was really attached to one of her close friends. So um, of course they are here now. Some of them I work closely with them on different projects, which is also great. I want to be close to them as much as possible and just witness uh, all their story from the start and uh, of course before the, uh, what happened uh, to Khabur I didn't know any of them but when I went back to the church and met so many of them organized these events and uh, and saw how powerful they are how much of a support they were to their families but when in private when we had our own like youth conversations uh, they would sometimes we would cry to each other about uh, and talk about their friends who were still with ISIS some of them really young, uh, young ages, like uh, six, seven uh, years, really kids. But I always made sure every day I had a conversation with one of them. We would go every day 
uh, to the church for the evening prayers with uh, Mara Premathniel. Uh, we would all together pray for them so they are safe. And uh, when I came to Australia, now meeting with them all, so be like one of them, she was, uh, now she's like uh, th- uh, 12. And I told her the first time, well, I don't know you, but of course, from the conversation I had with your friends and we would all of the time talk about you and pray for you that you are safe. And back then I saw photos of she was really godlike in drawing. So uh, when we came here, she showed me some of the hair drawings mm-hmm. and some of the works she uh, she did while she was kidnapped with ISIS mm-hmm. and the stories she wrote and uh, Uh, some of the prayers she wrote as well with her mother and it was really great to see all this and now work closely with them at the Assyrian Australian Social Development Club. They uh, also are leaders now in our community creating what is called um, like the first Assyrian dance group here which I am proud to, to support. First when I was working with one of the community organizations uh, with Spectrum. Uh, They had their uh, first dance performance. The organization was uh, a little bit concerned when I had the discussion with them. This is a newly established group. They were concerned, okay, how well they perform, how good is the group and all that. And then uh, they were surprised by the outcomes. Just after that, which was called the Assyrian Croatian Festival, they had three more offers from different community or Australian community organizations who were trying to actually invite them to different uh, activities because uh, they saw how good they are at this younger age to have that uh, love for their culture and uh, performing uh, great Assyrian dances. Uh, yeah, it was really great work that they did. And yeah. And is this the same group that earlier this year participated in the Greek festival? Yes. That, uh, can you tell me a bit more about that? <laughs> yeah. Because that is just fascinating. Yeah, so that was... Actually, uh, I got a, a phone call from one of uh, the committee members at the uh, um, Assyrian uh, Art and Literature Foundation. Uh, he knew about the uh, the group, the youth group, and he was. Uh, there is. Uh, I got a phone call from one of the organizers of the uh, Greek festival, Lonsdal Street Greek Festival. Uh, we want to have a um, mutual performance between the uh, Assyrians, Greeks and Armenians uh, to highlight on the genocides of uh, the three groups that we have as uh, like Assyrians, uh, Greeks and uh, Armenians. And it was really powerful. When, when I called the team, I was like, uh, ask about their opinion. What do you think if you'll mm-hmm. be able to perform and um, it was I can't really describe it it was amazing the the feeling I was uh, behind them on the stage uh, just looking that like thousands who gathered at the in the city of Melbourne it's uh, one of the witnessing. biggest festivals in <laughs> yes. Melbourne. <laughs> yes, like in some of these young people haven't even been in Australia for a few years, like uh, mm. one, two years. And being able to perform there for them, it meant so much. And just seeing people, how they interacted with them and supporting them after the the, the performance, uh, it was really great. Of course, we would never be able to do that if not of like the help of uh, the Arcades Australia invited us so and what I liked more about that it was not like we performed like in so many events you'd go perform just come home prepare for something else the team was so great adopting so many of the ideas the team had they wanted they loved their members actually they were really welcoming and uh, we had 
even bigger plans to organize something else um, in partnership with these three groups. We were invited after that for the uh, Armenian uh, Azerbaijan uh, dance group in uh, their like 25th anniversary. And we went there and shared some of the Syrian music, danced on the Armenian music and, and uh, building this relationship between um, our youth and their uh, community. And, uh, mm. you know, trying to, because when, when we are coming newly to Australia, it's uh, really hard for so many people to have that feeling of, of belonging but when you have a community that is supporting you when you have friends uh, when you have that uh, safe environment when you can preserve your culture mm. and uh, show your like uh, identity to the diverse um, communities of Victoria, it is uh, really powerful and it meant so much for these young people. At some stage of their life, they uh, had no hope that they would survive one day, but now the level they reached and the, it's really great to see them contributing in this perfect um, way to to Australia's, uh, to Australia's community, to Victoria particularly, but also it is um, something that will make us all very proud as Assyrians <laughs> and we had really successful young people like them uh, yeah so is there plans to do more in conjunction with the Armenian and Greek communities yes we always have like plans that we can organize things together have that really close relationship um, to each other between our youth uh, trying to organize events um, in partnership uh, because so many of their youth they were even born here or like uh, have been in Australia for so long so it's always an opportunity for us to learn from their experience and uh, try to showcase our Assyrian culture um, through their like wide and uh, very harmonious platforms they it's not the first time they're organizing this uh, they have organized larger events with even uh, many uh, community groups and they always try to maintain that uh, close uh, connections between their members and the new um, cultural groups they work with so it is kind of what we are looking for uh, in our organization try to always maintain good relationships with other organizations and um, shared their Syrian stories with uh, on different platforms and that was such a, a dream of the organization and, and the group well, we never like thought that we would actually be able to achieve this in such a short time to be able to showcase our Assyrian dances and uh, identity and culture in a um, in front of like you know thousands in the city of Melbourne so yeah one of uh, great things and it's really hard yeah. to think of a time in Melbourne where we have as Assyrians been able to put ourselves on such a significant platform yeah. so it's fantastic and it sounds like there's a lot to come as well yeah. coming to Australia you've decided to continue studying civil engineering mm -hmm. that's what you're studying back Yes, I uh, after a year graduating from year 12, uh, as I said before, I have always passion in like, uh, and I was good at some of uh, the science subjects, maths, physics. Uh, my mother was a mathematics teacher and my dad has his own uh, construction uh, company. So he was a contractor and uh, has the practical experience, mom more of like the theory and the knowledge <laughs> behind that. So I was always supported to do the uh, engineering. Uh, subject so my options were uh, 
after graduating from year 12, I had a good GPA and my I felt like all my preferences were in uh, uh, engineering. So I was uh, I got an offer from Aleppo University to study Bachelor's of Aviation. But at that time, it was the start of the Syrian war. So my family felt uh, it's really dangerous now to, to send you to, um, to Aleppo. And I didn't feel like safe going by myself during that time. So I went for my second preference, which was the uh, Bachelor of Civil Engineering. And uh, it was good that in the Hasaki region, they were uh, constructing new universities. My university was just uh, established in 2008. Mm. It was uh, impacting in so many ways the life of Assyrians, but other community groups who were feared to send their children, mostly like other cultural groups, they didn't send their children to, for example, Aleppo or Damascus universities. Uh, when they had these universities in Hasaki and uh, Deir Zor in other like uh, northeastern cities, mm. it was great that uh, you can see so many females, not just in engineering, but in other places, in other university courses, just educating themselves, empowering themselves. And but to me, like when I started, I did just two years in Al Furat University, where it was uh, in Hasaki, and then as I said, the war was. Uh, impacting my city really hugely so, so I had a pause on it yeah. yeah and then you've come here and decided to continue mm-hmm. can you tell me a bit about how studying here would compare to the few years you did back in Syria I can't even compare it's really two different things so in Syria we would more focus on the theory or the without uh, with lacking in the practical aspects of it even labs during the war they would not like providing us with uh, proper labs where you can like test materials in particular subjects and uh, learn like the practical sides of things also there were so much um, marks on the final exam and that would decide how good you are at some subjects while in Australia when I came I did a course uh, of course for English because my English wasn't that good but also to learn the key things in how to learn because I thought studying was everything but there are two different things we were studying in Syria but here there is more so it's more work on on learning how to learn new things Mm -hmm. how to search for in different topics and not not limit like one subject it's not just a knowledge of one book or two books it's always the knowledge is always there and uh, so we worked so much on some research programs here on uh, practical things in in labs we where we could uh, test materials and the performance on on objects and uh, so and also the opportunity we have as uh, females to work as as engineers because in Syria you would find so many people like female students doing engineering courses but no one would end up in for example a construction site where you practice your all your university uh, studies most of them they would be just in offices and most of the time not doing the actual engineering design work or solving problems it would be more like of an admission work they give them Mm. so it is really interesting where in Australia you have they are trying to apply more diversity in the workplace and also trying to engage more women in the work workforce and uh, the STEAM subjects as well so it is not like um, a joke your university degree 
they actually that is platforms that are work environments that after that you can work and practice your knowledge and so it's really interesting. So you mentioned the Assyrian Australian Social Development Club. Can you tell me more about how you got involved with that when you came to Australia and what impact that's had on your life here? So I was uh, a few months in Australia when I uh, actually engaged one of the committee members uh, and she was uh, really involved with the club and uh, the um, but they had really a small committee back then just uh, I think seven of the co-founders uh, with few other members uh, I volunteered for some time and then I was able to join the committee as uh, I was the first uh, young face <laughs> to be able to be part of their committee before that they had more focus on helping our people. So the organization was actually established in December 2012. So their focus was to help uh, our Assyrian community in Syria. And when after 2015, most of the people who arrived to Australia, so uh, we tried to focus more on the Assyrian community who are living in Australia try to provide them with different programs. We had the first youth uh, committee, subcommittee, and also a women's committees where we worked closely with uh, women, uh, organizing what is called the uh, Assyrian art um, workshops. Also, we had some Let's Talk Money financial counseling, where I had to do a, a course with, I was selected to do a course with one of the organizations and then deliver the program in Assyrian to through a few workshops uh, for the organization. Uh, also in the youth area, we had to work with youth um, groups. Uh, we created, uh, uh, like we supported the Assyrian dance group, which was created by few uh, like Assyrian youth and uh, work with them and support them to perform in different uh, platforms, different events. Also, we are active in organizing some of the Assyrian National Days. And that was in partnership with different Assyrian organizations who have been working in that field for so many years. Here, trying to organize these two days for Assyrians in Melbourne. And we as an organization, we feel really welcome to by these people and me personally when they invite me and um, to one of their meetings and uh, from there I met um, really inspiring Assyrian leaders who has been in Australia for so long and trying to serve the community and preserve the Assyrian culture in different ways. As an organization we uh, I'm proud actually to be a part of really great team who introduced something new to the Victorian Assyrian community here. Mm-hmm. And if it was like through the uh, what we called the Assyrian graduation ceremony, where we focused on supporting young graduates, most of them coming newly uh, to Australia, and how they are t- taking the education as their way and try not to give up because of uh, sometimes because we have even difficulties in qualifying our certificates here so it was really good that they focused on like studying in um, and also uh, a special program which was the uh, diploma in uh, Assyrian interpreting so we had so many uh, graduates from that program we wanted to highlight the achievements of Assyrian young uh, people who were doing some great uh, educational successes and uh, 
yeah, try to support them as an organization, tell them that we are behind you and yeah. And last year was the first time this That happened. was the first time that was uh, yeah. happened and the organization is looking for ways that uh, keep the program going because it is something new to our community here. And through that, we also introduced what was called the uh, Assyrian Gong People's uh, Theatre, where we they performed an, a drama or an act on uh, how they came as young people to Australia, having the experience they lived uh, of the war turn, uh, from war turn country to come in to Australia and still their focus to be their education and, uh, and different ways and different pathways they can take to uh, revive the Assyrian um, identity here. So uh, I think it's different approaches we are taking, uh, me personally and uh, the team and the organization, in uh, first like trying to engage so many young people in the organization and make them uh, future leaders, uh, occupy them with different uh, tools uh, so they can take over the all the work in uh, the, the organization does and uh, stay always close to other or- Assyrian organizations here, try to maintain a really good partnerships and relationships with them and uh, also the Assyrian church so we have here. So we always uh, go and meet with the church leaders, update them on the work we, we do, take their advice and also focusing on having women's representation in the committee which is something that really made me feel safe to be part of this because you will see in so many organizations we have there is no no much like support for women to be to come uh, like and, and raise their voices uh, step up and be in that position and the same thing for our youth so when they uh, have any idea or they just give their ideas but from inside they don't feel that actually these ideas would be applied one day or like uh, because the organization don't make our youth feel like welcome so they can participate so we are myself from the first day i was engaged i made sure that we can invite other young people to be part of the committee and also part of um, leading the, the organization, having their own subcommittee where, of course, we can advise them on some issues, but having um, their voices uh, heard and uh, also in the um, for women to have their own programs where they can share their stories, their needs. And um, yeah, I think we've been, of course, uh, as the organization, always we, we seek uh, help from different places, uh, different um, Syrian community members, because uh, alone we can't do anything. So we, we seek the, the help from the community to stay behind us and uh, support us in everything we do. You've got a very long list of voluntary commitments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does it makes me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> to add to this, you're also a, multi- a member of the Multicultural Youth Network for the Victorian Multicultural Commission. How did this come about? I was involved uh, with the Victorian Multicultural Commission on different programs. I met with the chairperson uh, once when I was talking about some of the needs for uh, the Assyrian community here in uh, in Victoria at one of the uh, events that they have organised. And I read more about the organisation and their involvements in the multicultural space and it was one of the areas that I really wanted to to work in and uh, represent my community uh, not only among the Assyrian members but I wanted 
our voice to be heard to the government and to other platforms uh, where so many as uh, Victorian uh, multicultural communities go to to tell about their uh, rich cultures, uh, religious and uh, uh, different cultural backgrounds. So I felt us as a, a Syrians, we need to have representation in that uh, organization, even if it was uh, minor through just volunteering with the youth body, which was the multicultural youth network. But I, it gives me so much confidence on how to approach the government on different needs of uh, the newly arrived uh, Syrian issues um, on uh, ways that we can make safer um, environments for people from different cultures. They can come and preserve them, like freely preserve their culture with no fear that they wouldn't be accepted, feel that feeling that they, they are belonging to the community. Personally, it made me so proud of uh, actually the the community we are living in and uh, also it gives so much it opens so much opportunities and I always made sure that this was not like only for me um, not for my individual like uh, needs but always uh, was about uh, uh, the needs of the Assyrian uh, youth people so once I at one of the events which was the, the gala dinner where we met with different representatives from uh, different Assyrian uh, I mean sorry Victorian organizations uh, and Australian organizations I got to meet with um, the governor of Victoria and she invited me to the government house um, to talk more about the needs of the Assyrian youth and the newly arrived Assyrian community I asked to not be invited alone to the government house, so I was like, can we actually come as uh, we have an Assyrian group at the Assyrian Australian Social Development Club, so is it possible to have the team with me coming, attending that uh, that meeting? She, of course, that was with the help of Helen Capellos, who was the chairperson of the VMC back then, and so with the help of the VMC and the, the government house, we had to, to organize this tour tour where we met with Her Excellency, the uh, Honourable uh, uh, Linda Disu and um, her spouse, um, Judge Anthony uh, Howard, where we actually, they took us a tour at the uh, government house where we met with them and learned about some of the government uh, governor's uh, roles. And I wanted to open that like conversations with these like higher leadership representatives of the state and uh, our youth to actually have these conversations with them, not fear, like, uh, because it's sometimes they would never get this opportunity in our countries. It's mm -hmm. like there is so much gap between government representatives and uh, uh, community organizations and minority groups like us as Assyrians. But I wanted you to have that leadership, you know, uh, role and just go there, tell their stories. And it was so inspiring for them to hear from us, all of us being newly to Australia and hear about the things we are doing here. Also uh, learning about what they do in supporting newly arrived uh, communities in Australia. It was uh, amazing and the area they also, the, their areas of work with young people, it was really incredible. So I was really proud of this and uh, proud of our Assyrian uh, young uh, people who were able to represent the community on this in perfect way in this high level and uh, yeah so that's amazing <laughs> yeah. wow I didn't realize that you'd actually had a chance to meet the governor of Victoria 
Yes, that was uh, yeah such a great pleasure to be able to meet her. Also, we were once part of um, uh, only two Assyrian females, uh, myself and another one from the church, uh, the Chaldean Church, uh, where we met with Prince Harry when they came to Australia. And uh, yeah, so that was there was uh, I think three hundred. Just, uh, just, just a casual name drop, Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> that was with the yeah, BMC again. The Multicultural Youth Network, we got the chance to talk about the things we do uh, in the community with the diverse uh, and the mosaic Vic- uh, Victorian society, uh, our areas of work. So it was great to um, get the chance and for me like to be the only fee Assyrian with, of course, like two Assyrian females to represent the community there was really incredibly, like, uh, making me feel really proud. And so... You are involved in a lot of things. I want to know about what drives you, what motivates you. I think uh, my uh, story, as I shared my childhood, so many of the promises that I made I wasn't able to do to my community just because uh, the war in Syria my dreams of growing up one day in uh, Truma village and being able to, um, as I was like uh, given the opportunity of studying and learning Assyrian, to grow up one day and uh, teach Assyrian students uh, like the next generation about our language and culture. So I didn't get the chance to do that, but I always would make sure that I actually saw my own success. Uh, my own success is is not of what I do to myself, but what I do to my nation. I can be a very one day a very successful uh, female engineer. That's my area of work. That's what I want to be. But that's a personal goal. So who is Kinda or like what Kinda does? It's what I'm going to be achieving for my people. And I think that's what's going to what should be the aim of, of every Assyrian in their free time in their when they are available just to try volunteer with their community because it's not about us about who i am about what i do it is so important i would be of course supporting every assyrian to be as successful as possible that's what we as a community want from any assyrian but not share this as that that's always like an individual thing that should be kept in in private i think for me that's what i always do I maybe I'm doing really good in my studies in my area of work in engineering but I would never share this or like be that much proud of it but it depends how much I do to my community if I made one Assyrian child learn uh, Assyrian word living because in Australia it's really hard to to do that or like helping an Assyrian family uh, to still preserve their culture in a new country that would make me more more happy or seeing women uh, taking leadership roles and giving them opportunities to lead the community here that is my area of interest as well so because so many people who are born here they wouldn't understand the full story or like they can't much relate to it but for me it is a blessing to be born in in a a village like Truma and uh, I have uh, lost family members and and friends just because of who they are as as Assyrians and that was kind of uh, another living uh, genocide and only had to like hear it from my grandmother but also to live it and to witness all that so that what always drives me the people who give their lives to our community and like that is 
nothing that can compare like my work or anything that I can do to these people who you know give any the most precious thing in their life mm -hmm. which was like, you know their soul just for their nation so I think that is always a powerful thing for me it's always like driving me to achieve better things and there is never enough work to be done every time whatever we do there is always more we can we can give till just the thought of like people who gave their souls to, to our nation so you can imagine how much we are not doing enough how much uh, works needs to be done from us as younger generation and i always have hope sometimes i listen to conversations for people who actually have lost hope in what their syrian nation can do because I lived with my grandmother and so many Assyrian people who fled Iraq, came to Khabur, and how they actually um, believed in their children that they can be successful one day, uh, they will achieve something. They turned Khabur from a desert to a heaven and uh, had successful Assyrian sons and, and daughters. And I feel we are in the same situation now, but uh, in a better actually situation we came to Australia, it is a perfect place to live for groups like us. We have every single chance to actually um, revive our identity again. And the Australian people are really helping in, in that way. But it, it like just depends on, on us and if we want to achieve that. So we've got everything. We just need to work on ourselves. And uh, it is a huge responsibility. The young Assyrian people have. It is a huge responsibility on us. Uh, it is not a, an easy task of course, especially for people like myself who are coming, you know, you don't know where, where to focus more. I was very, uh, one of the f very few examples who were well, able to achieve that balance in like, you know, being able to focus on my personal life, try to uh, continue my studies and, um, and be close as much as possible to my family and my community but also in the community area, give back to my community and be largely involved. I'll be honest with you, maybe I give up on, uh, like, uh, didn't give much to time to sometimes to friends and uh, which was sometimes a bad thing, but I think it was worth it. It was worth it that I, I can uh, focus more on some other projects that are more meaningful and uh, get to meet new people, new friends and from there. And uh, it is challenging sometimes. What's next for you? Now, I think, of course, so many of the, uh, uh, so much projects, so many projects with the club, with the Assyrian Australian Social Development Club. But one thing I want to achieve uh, from the first, very first day when I arrived to Australia, I coming to our mighty university, I saw so many uh, clubs like who were supporting different um, cultural groups and uh, different students, supporting students in so many ways. I wanted actually to have, uh, now we are working on what is called the first um, Assyrian Student Association at RMIT. So we are working with the committee there to actually recognize and like fully affiliate the club so we can start working with Assyrian uh, students through RMIT University. And my work would be to help other students who are in other unis like uh, Melbourne University, Swinburne, Latrop, like I still need to do 
the research if, if we have enough members there mm-hmm. but our at our mighty now we are able to secure more than like have the memberships of more than 20 members which is really great we can awesome. yeah it is uh, great to have it's i think during the life of the assyrian uh, people in 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 victoria which is over i think 30 years we never had any uh, assyrian association student association at australian university I think that would have so much, do so much work in so many areas if it, it's like supporting Assyrian students. Also, we we'll try to invite them to some of the work we do as, as different Assyrian organizations, but the graduation ceremony we mm-hmm. do, so that would connect more people together and, uh, of course, preserve the Assyrian uh, culture there and uh, introduce the Australian uh, people some of the Assyrian food and, you know, music, dance, and uh, but mainly, of course, working with to support Assyrian students. We are working hard to get it done as soon as possible and so we can start working. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Kinda, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and coming on the Assyrian podcast. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Thank you for the program. I had really um, I'm humbled to be with you and uh, on the program. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, help us out by sharing it on social media or telling someone about it. We appreciate all of your support for the Assyrian podcast. Thank you and we'll see you next week.